Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dallas Step Discussion once again. It is June 20th already of 2016. Um, two weeks from today is the 4th of July. Ah, it's Independence Day. Well, but it's, no, it's the 4th of July, but we need to remember it's Independence Day. And just so everybody knows, I'll be here. I will be here. I've never and missed a Monday. <laughs> no, Terry's going to be gone. Terry's going to be out playing. But I have never missed a Monday night in uh, seven years. We're in our eighth year, and I won't miss that one as well. So if anybody wants to join me, they're more than welcome to, to do so. Good evening, Sir John. I see you just popped up on the board. Uh I do need to do my disclaimer, as I usually do, and tell everybody that what you hear on this call is not legal advice. If you want that, you need to go find a bar-licensed attorney because that's where you get legal advice. Even if you asked us for legal advice, we wouldn't have any idea what it is, so we couldn't give it to you anyway. So uh, if you think anything that you hear on this call is legal advice, unfortunately, you're mistaken. And we don't want to uh, have anybody get the wrong impression. We do a lot of uh, discussing of legal issues about the consumer protection statutes, use of the courts, and everything else. But we never give legal advice. If we say something to the effect of, well, you want to do this or you want to do that, what we're doing is we are saying that if we were in your shoes or a similar situation to what you may have described to everybody, that's what we would do, and that's based on our knowledge, uh, some of which comes from practical experience, some of which comes from a lot of study. We do know how to read. We do read a lot. And when I say we, I'm talking about Terry, John, Jeff, uh, the other moderators that are on this call, uh, moderators from Jesse's website, and, of course, you know, there's Jesse and, and Larry we work with, we have other people. We have some attorneys that we work with now, uh, a number of different ones around the country. We're always looking for good attorneys that are truly there for the, doing what they're doing for the right reason and to uh, stand up for consumers. But uh, bottom line is, no legal advice here. If you want that, go find yourself a bar-licensed attorney, pay for it, and you will get your legal advice. We make no comments as to the quality of legal advice you're going to get from any attorney. So that has to be up to you. But with all that said, as I take a little spoonful of my Frosty here that I'm enjoying, uh, we always start with good news, but I want to mention to everybody that's with us here, just for any new people that might be on with us, uh, the way TalkShoe works, very simple. You are unmuted when you come on. That's by design. And 
I ask you to mute yourselves when you come on the call so that we don't hear uh, inadvertent noise, you know, the toilet flushing, um, you know, somebody yelling at somebody, uh, pots and pans. There's just being done in the sink and who knows whatever other kind of uh, stuff, you know, TVs and stuff in the background. Please just hit star six and mute yourself. And then if you want to unmute yourself, to speak, all you have to do is hit star six. Again, it is a toggling feature. And then once we get done with good news and stuff, uh, tonight I'm going to uh, talk about a few things. Uh, I've gotten a, a very interesting book, and there's some interesting information I've been uh, getting out of that, and I'm going to touch on a little bit of that. I'm with, with things a little slower in the summertime, I'm going to go back and start doing a little bit of uh, education time which I know a lot of people have uh, enjoyed and gotten a lot of uh, lot out of it in the past, and I'm going to be uh, doing some more of that. So uh, it's going to be stuff, obviously, directly related to legal, but it's going to be uh, things that are useful to you. And, of course, that's the whole idea because we're here for educational purposes. Um, you know, we don't charge anything. We don't get paid for any of the uh, stuff that we do. And uh, the whole idea is for you to learn to take the information that we help disseminate and put it into use and to defend your rights. And once you learn this, the only thing that we ask in return for the effort that we put out in helping bring this information to you is that you pay it forward, that you help others. And by all means, teach your kids Start teaching your kids about the consumer protection statutes and about the use of the courts. Hopefully, they would never need to use those courts, but in the event that they would find themselves in a position for them to have at least some knowledge on it, would be a whole lot better than none and for them to be caught in a bad position. The reason that they don't teach anything about this stuff in school is by design. They want you to go to the lawyers so the lawyers, in large part, can play their games. They can charge a bunch of money for something that you can learn to do yourself in most cases. I won't say people never need a lawyer because that absolutely is not true. There are situations when we highly recommend that people retain an attorney, depending on the complexity of their situation. But uh, generally, and uh, with many things relating to the consumer protection statutes, you can deal with the stuff properly in the courts yourself if you're willing to put some work in. And the place you find the, the information and the help to do this is in Jesse's website. And the way you get to Jesse's website is very simple. Just open a browser and type, you can type in knock out collectors, K-N-O-C-K, out collectors, T-O-R-S, Net. Don't do a search for it. Just open it, type that in. It'll take you right to Jesse's site. And it'll cost you a whole $1 to become a member, to have full access to everything. You, you, when you go to the site, you'll be able to look at some information that's there. But to get in and have access to everything, it'll cost you a whole dollar for the first week, and after that it's $49 a month, and I don't know how long he's going to leave that going on, because it used to be $99 for the first month and then $49 a month, and I, I don't know when he uh, plans on going back to that, so keep that in mind. Uh, but 
after that, like I said, it's $49 a month, and you can share memberships. Terry uh, helps coordinate that to uh, uh, bring people together. And the, the reason you can do that is there's two IP addresses available for each website or uh, for each membership. So when you go there, I mean, some people use it like a laptop, and then some people also use uh, a desktop at home. But if you want to use uh, just one computer and then share the cost, you can literally get it down to $24.50 a month. We know there's any number of people that don't have a lot of money. They're very tight on finances, and this is just another way to help them. It's, it's not about making a bunch of money. It's about getting people into the information to where they can study it, but yet a full-time webmaster and uh, uh, mirroring of websites and everything else doesn't come free. So there is a, a minimal cost of things. But uh, that's the way things work. Again, it's knockoutcollectors.net is how you can get there. So um, we talk about various things on these calls. We talk about our own experience. Uh, all of the moderators that you hear speak, Terry, Jeff, John, myself, we all litigate in federal court, some of us more than others. I'm the I'm the glutton for punishment, evidently, because some of us longer than others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've um, I've got over a hundred lawsuits in federal court, and uh, I'm actually waiting to hear from uh, uh, Guinness. Uh, I applied to see if I hold a world record for number of active lawsuit, same plaintiff against the same uh, defendant. That's just too funny. And uh, about another, <coughs> uh, they said uh, I should know something within probably about another seven weeks. So, and that was John's bright idea to even look into that. So, you know, it, it could be kind of interesting. Thank you. Yeah, well, hey, you're the one that thought of it and passed it on to me. And uh, I went ahead and checked in it and doesn't cost you anything to apply. It's, it's really kind of an interesting process. But uh, anyway, we, uh, we start with good news. So if anybody has any good news for us tonight, all you have to do is speak up and bring that to us. Uh, otherwise, we'll uh, go to Q&A. Uh, after I, I talk a little bit about some of this legal stuff that I was going to do and uh, uh, to do that, once we get to that point, all you have to do to push yourself in the queue is to hit star 8 on the keypad on your phone. Please have yourself muted using star 6 first, if you would. That just saves me a step. So if anybody's got any good news, let's hear it. I got my uh, NCTUE report. Mm-hmm. I did, too. Go ahead, John. And uh, it's 22 pages long. Wow. Um, oh man. Oh, but, yeah. but you have all those you have other properties, right? And you have utilities and, and they had business you know, where I'd personally guaranteed on business utilities. Yeah. So um yeah, I don't really see anything bad. It's it only basically does phone and cable, you know, cell phone you know, home phone, business phone, and cable. I don't see anything. There's no, you you know, power company or anything like that. Well, that's yeah. weird because uh, the power company is on mine and Dish uh, Dish Network. Yeah, I don't have Dish. I think there was an old account from. No, I thought there was Direct TV, but there's not. 
um, used to have that. And then as far as inquiries, that's where I was looking. It shows that ESI, no, EIS Equifax got my credit report three times. And then something else called EIS Company. And I don't know what that is. That's interesting. Very. Equifax Information Systems Company. And you know, what is Equifax's permissible purpose? Exactly. Yeah, they pulled it four times in one day. Well, that, that seems was... to be, you know, kind of a a recurring theme where they pull it a bunch of times in one day. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're not <laughs> the only one that's had that happen. Yeah. Which is, yeah, weird. is Thomas. I was going to say, join the crowd, John. And did you <laughs> notice? <laughs> did, did you notice? Now, uh, Thomas, I'm glad you're there. One of those links that you sent out to us was an article about back in uh, this was it was written in 2009, I believe. But at the time, Richard Rubin was trying to establish that NCTUE. Uh, falls under the FCRA because they're a, a credit reporting agency. Well, the first page on that uh, credit report from them, which I got mine today too, um, it clearly states that they are subject to the FCRA and they are a credit reporting agency. And so, therefore, they are under exactly the same regulations and the same sections of the FCRA as the big three. Now, the fact that they do not require any uh, proof that you are who you say you are, and you don't even have to say who you are, to get a credit report is a violation right across the board. You can't even get around that from the well, get I got and my they don't reports, give, too. They don't the give other, an option to suppress your Social Security number on the report, which they're yeah. supposed to do. And now they do. Uh, it's a bit misleading, but they do state that you can dispute anything on the report with them. And the language, I don't know if you paid attention to that or not, John. I just I just opened it. <laughs> well, it's like uh, one of the last pages. Anyway, uh, the, the language that they use, they're, they're saying that you can dispute, they're going to verify, and then you can, after they verify it, you can... Uh, give them a hundred word statement that they'll put in your credit report. Now that is not the proper uh, process, dispute process outlined under the FCRA. They, well, they're they making it up as they go. Yeah. And, you know, one of the problems in the article that was written was that um, this particular credit reporting agency, unbeknownst to the rest of us out here, is typically used whenever you go to get a cell phone contract or cell phone account, or you move and you go to get utilities turned on, get a telephone, get power in your name, 
all this kind of stuff. And that if you are turned down or you are charged an, an, a, a large deposit, the furnisher, I mean not the furnisher, but the uh, entity that you're applying with, let's just say it's uh, Con Ed, okay? And Con Ed says, well, yeah, you can have electricity in your name, but it's going to cost you a $250 deposit. They are not telling the consumer that the amount of that deposit is a direct result of information they have obtained through this utility credit reporting agency. That is a violation. And the average consumer has zero clue that this company, which is directly responsible for the rates you pay and whether or not you can get various types of accounts, even exists. So yep. it's extremely problematic. Um, now, I noticed that it is also highly inaccurate. Um, now, I'll give them this. Um, on the one account, on the DISH Network account that they have listed, it was almost completely accurate. There was only a couple of, of minor things on there. Um, but like on the, uh, which account was it? Um, it was either the power account, yeah, uh, on my uh, electric account. The whole thing was inaccurate because it showed a monthly balance every month and only two small payments over two years. My electric bill is paid on time every month. And that's completely missing. It it looks as if it's never paid. So if yeah. I go if I go move to another town and I wanna get electric in my name What's going to happen? They're going to look at that, and they're going to hit me with a big, fat deposit based on that information. Well, it's kind of interesting that we start finding this stuff out. I got my reports back from the same company, and mine showed my AT&T landline, and it showed my AT&T cell phone. And that was it. No credit polls, no nothing. So mine didn't have anything. But now John has stuff. And you heard, Terry, you heard from somebody else that had polls and stuff as well, correct? That, yeah, one of the members. And I don't know if he's on tonight. I, I told him to uh, bring it up on the call if he's here. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, somebody else had a, a number of credit polls. So no, you know but. there are various people that are having that done. And of course, the question is, um, what is the permissible purpose, and and why would it be done five, six, seven, eight, nine times in one day? Right. That's a, a really good question. And if if I recall that that other member did challenge that or call them or something. And they're trying to say that that was because of uh, he initiated um, 
inquiries into his credit report. Uh, well, I can guarantee if when if I call them about that because it shows Equifax pulling mine too, and I can swear before God I have not applied for anything that would require a credit re- uh, a, a credit check other than insurance at specific twice in the in the last eight years and not at all for anything else in eight years. So there is no way I have initiated any credit inquiries for anybody to do yeah. it. Well, and, and it's the same old thing, though. You know, Thomas had 61 pulls on his credit report. During so, litigation. Uh, during <laughs> litigation. I mean, you know, uh, on a utility report, what? You know, he, he doesn't, uh, to my knowledge anyway, he may, he may be holding out on me, but I don't think so. Uh, I don't think he has a whole string of rental houses that just all of a sudden went vacant and he had to have utilities turned on and all of them or something. Well, and considering the nature of the litigation that you were in, Thomas, mm-hmm. and this is, you know, just a personal question here. You don't have to answer it if you want to, but, <clears throat> excuse me, um, what possible relevance to the type of case you were involved in, could your utility bills have had? Yeah, the only my I've thought about that, and the only thing I can think of was that they were trying to figure out how how uh, well off or poor I was to figure in negotiating a settlement. I mean, you know, what if my utility bills started get not getting paid or something? I don't know. Was, well, I mean, relevant. Is, is the point. It was done during litigation, and whenever this particular company is, uh, a credit report is requested through this particular company, the requester knows that the only data this company tracks is utilities, and telecommunications is considered a utility. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I am trying to figure out what possible relevance your utility bills could have to an issue that you have with a debt collector uh, for something else altogether or the credit reporting agencies under the FDCPA, the type of litigation that we do, what possible relevance utility bills could have to that litigation to the point that they would risk Violating the FCRA to pull it during litigation. Well, I think the obvious thing is they figured you don't know about it. Yeah, but that still doesn't answer what is the what are they looking for? What's possibly relevant? Yeah, I I have no clue. I well, can't I, even I, begin to do anything. I do hope to have an answer closer come Friday because I heard from the people I contacted. Oh, cool. And I got an email today saying that the contact is back from vacation and I should have some kind of answer Friday. So, mm-hmm. Good. Very good. And uh, Well. Yeah, I'm, I'm perplexed about it, too. It would be interesting if John's inquiries uh, line up with any litigation that he had that was going on. Now, they, I they really don't, but I'm going to pick up the phone and call them and ask them what the hell they are. Yeah. 
and I, I'm for I'm also keeping a list of links as I keep studying this thing and um, the most recent news about the NCPU is its incorporation into a new FICO score. They released FICO version 9 and now they're coming out with a FICO XD score that incorporates this NCPU data. And that data. becomes even more problematic because now consumers' credit scores right. will be based on data that they don't even they're not even aware exists and have no opportunity to challenge. Right. And they're incorporating it with LexisNexis data as well. And um, guess, <laughs> guess, who, guess who this score is going to be used on? Those that have the hardest time getting credit. You know, it occurred to me earlier today, and I was too busy. I haven't had a chance to do it. And I don't know if anybody else has done it either, Thomas or Dave or, or John, but has anybody checked the CFPB and whether or not they have any statistics on uh, complaints filed against this NTCUE? I haven't, but I can do it. Start looking. I was, it, it just occurred to me, and I, I'm real curious, because it doesn't seem like they've been on anybody's radar, certainly not ours until now. Thank you to Thomas. Well, um, we're prying the uh, Pandora's box open, aren't we? Absolutely. And that's a good thing. Yeah, I uh, I also got my Innovus credit report today, and part of it was missing. Uh -huh. But the reason part of it was missing was not be from Innovus. It would appear that the Postal Service ripped about one-third of the envelope off, and they sent me the rest of it. Oh, my Lord. And it says it's stamped <laughs> right on the front, received in bad condition at... <laughs> it's stamped right above my name. Yeah, the whole left-hand corner, I mean, a bunch of the report, you can't even read the information that's gone. Did it come in a plastic bag? No, no, believe it or not. I mean, you literally, you could just take and pull the pages right out of it. You didn't need a letter opener. Wow. It, it, the, whole, the whole complete left side of it, as you're looking at it, um, the whole complete left side of it is gone. The bottom, it's it, it's ripped off from about three inches in from the uh, uh, bottom left corner, and then uh, it's ripped off all, all the way up to uh, uh, just about the top. And good luck holding the po postal service responsible for that. Well, I mean, there's nothing, you know, there, there's no liability there. It's just that if I want well, to it, read it, all it, the material, i gotta, I got to go back to Anovis and say, hey, you know, the postal service did this. What did I do to make sure I have evidence of this? Did I make a color scan because that stamp is in red? Uh, did mm -hmm. I make a color scan of both sides of the envelope with the back side showing the parts of the page is ripped and everything? But Well, uh, with but, it in that kind of condition, that is a sensitive personal document that yeah. anybody could have read, took it out of the envelope and looked at it. Yeah, yeah. 
But I mean, Inovus has no liability there, so it was strictly the postal service. But yeah, you know. exactly. But like I said, good luck holding them responsible for that. Well, no. Hey, they weren't responsible to pay me the money that they collected on four hundred and some dollars worth of CODs. So I don't think they're going to bother with a um, credit report from Inovus. So no. Anyway, um, very. Terry, I've got a job. question. I got a question. I noticed on NCTUE they charge $10 for a security freeze. Is that normal? Uh, I'm not even sure if that's legal. I was going to say, I don't know of any authorization for that. Well, mm-hmm. I, I guess I guess my, my point is, you know, the giving you a report with a social security number, no other identifier, and then generating a report that displays your full social security number without giving you the option to suppress, which normally they do, and then charging you to place a security freeze on it. Those are, I think, possibly three violations. So. I believe so, because now I'll have to go back and, and read that that part of the FCRA. But I think they are required to put security freezes on when when uh, requested to do so by the consumer. So yeah, because I know. think that if enough people were to get their report from them in a short period of time, if there are violations, it could be a class action. Clearly, mm-hmm. yeah, I, and, I would agree. And I wanted to remind everybody. We highly suggest that everybody on this call go to that website. Well, in fact, on this week, if I didn't send it out last week, I'll do it this week. Tomorrow, when I send out the uh, call reminders for Wednesday, I will include the uh, telephone number to call NTCUE and request your credit report. And when you do call... Be patient because the recording gives you choices and you want to wait for choice number two and just follow the prompts from there. Get you don't even credit. have to speak to a live person. <laughs> no, you can do it all with your keypad. You can speak or, or you can do it with your keypad. But I will put that telephone number and website uh, link in tomorrow night's email and we really do urge everybody to do it and get back with us about your experience after yeah. you receive it whether it's good or bad I mean whether there's stuff on there or whether it's like mine there isn't anything and I'll add about the security freeze in Georgia they're allowed to charge three dollars so it may be a state uh, wall John water. okay Okay. Yeah, I, I had to pay them three dollars. Uh, the the big three. Well, all right then. If they're allowed to pay to charge three dollars in Georgia, and I'm not going to challenge you on that because I don't know. Huh, um, then how can they possibly charge you ten dollars if Georgia only allows three? Right. Well, it might be that they think they can charge everybody 10, but when their state law says only three, then they can only charge three. I mean, we don't know, but that's that's yeah. the kind of stuff that everybody's got to look into. So please, like Terry has said, everybody please go check your reports. Go and, and check on that because uh, 
it appears that there's a lot of violations occurring that they are, are not following uh, the law. And uh, our, one of our goals out here is to, when we find them not following the law, force them to do so. And usually the way we end up doing that is uh, by legal action. And as most of you know, we're not real timid about that, are we? Not really. <laughs> and we have some good attorneys to work with uh, uh, as far as doing something in the line of a class action on stuff, too. And, uh, you know, and this type of stuff, uh, class action may be the, the best way to go. And especially uh, if you have, if you, if you find stuff that's wrong, bring it to our attention. Uh, I will promise um, within the next couple of months, you know, after I get back from vacation and stuff, at least one Wednesday night, we will devote to strategy on what to do about things and how to dispute with this particular company and what is the best way for us all to do it. And especially if you are located in Georgia and you are over 60, let me know that in regard to this company. Okay. Does anybody else have any good news for us tonight? Well, I do. Um, this is Thomas. And uh, what I wanted to share is I got hey, a oh. Well, wait a minute. Thomas is talking. I'm sorry. Okay. And I was uh, I got an opportunity to pay it forward today, um, like you opened your call with. Is um, I got a call from a friend, frantic, because she had received three letters in less than a week, um, getting done for somebody else's debt or obligation. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty. Big. Please tell me and, the name of the company starts with an M. No, this ha it has to do with a management company for the condo. She runs. Ah. And they know they're going after the wrong person. They've, they even say in the letter, letters that they're going after the owner of the unit, but they're sending the letters in her name and threatening her with, with charges. And, um, so, and she's over 60. Oh. And I think this, and I just, it was kind of nice. And what I was going to say is I got to turn a terrifying, scary moment. And I said, whenever you feel that, think ka-ching. Ka-ching. <laughs> uh, is, is she a fighter? Will she do it? Like a mother bear protecting her cubs. Oh, oh I love yes. it. I mean, I would... Uh, uh, you wouldn't want to cross her. No, no. <laughs> and um, so I believe that... And I just was like, okay, so the plan is Wednesday we'll get some get some getting on the computer and get some links and get, uh, but at least we can arrest the situation and get going with the right, uh, down the right path. So yeah, she's all game. This is just, it's unacceptable. So. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for helping her. You're welcome. And so it was really nice to know after all the, you know, I'm not real good at this myself, but the fact is, is by listening, it felt really good to be ready uh, to be, be, be there when somebody needed it. So. Well, thank you. That's, you know, that's what we're looking for is people to step out. And even if you don't, you know, you're not necessarily real comfortable with things or, you know, you don't feel that you're up to the uh, uh, level of really teaching somebody, um, you know where to point them. 
you know, get them to come on the calls so that we can help them and point them in the right direction to deal with their situation. I mean, it's a thing. The end result is what matters. It's not necessarily the road that you travel getting there because and everybody really, is in a different situation. It really does, as, as Thomas has pointed out, it does feel really good to be able to alleviate that panic that that person is suffering at that moment. Well, speaking of this situation, I had an experience Saturday night that kind of plays into this as well. I decided to uh, go down to a restaurant down here called the Black Eyed Pea and have a bite of dinner, which I've done many, many times through the years. And uh, I took this book with me, Legal Research and Writing for Paralegals. Because I, I sit down there while I'm waiting for my dinner to be served. I, I sit there and read. And uh, just to get away from the computers and stuff, I sit there for a while afterwards and sip some tea and usually read for a while, just a different environment. Well, I got my dinner and I finished up. And uh, the hostess, Debbie, comes over. Uh, and she's new there. And uh, she sees I had the book there and she says, what are you reading? And I flipped a cover over, and I said, uh, legal research and writing for paralegals. Oh, really? I said, yeah. I said, I uh, help people with uh, consumer issues and teach them how to use the federal courts so that uh, they can go after the debt collection industry. My, really, my favorite target is the, uh, the debt collectors and especially the uh, lawyers that work for the debt collectors. And she says, well... She says, you know, I've got a couple of companies that are bothering me uh, that sent me stuff, and I had one. I just got sued earlier this year, and uh, uh, and I'm making payments to them, and I'm going, oh, oh man. And I, I said, well, um, who who is the uh, the company? Well, well, I I had mentioned. I said, I matter of fact, I've got uh, over a hundred lawsuits against a company called Midland Credit Management. And she says, well, one of the companies. The, the one that sued me, it's it's Midland Funding. And I go, oh, my God. I said, and you're paying them? She says, yeah, I've, I've been paying them the last several months. And I go, oh, my God, don't tell me. Well, then I said, who is the other company that's uh, uh, threatening you? Yeah, they haven't sued you yet? And she says, no. Uh, she says, but they're threatening me. And uh, she says, that's portfolio recovery. Oh, no. I'm like, like, oh, Oh, my my God. God. Now she's on the debt fire radar as an easy touch. Well, suffice it to say that we had almost an hour conversation. She was extremely interested in what we do. Uh, She is going to call me tomorrow. She's she's working. And... uh, I'm going to help her deal with Midland oh, to begin I, I, with. And, uh, and on top of this, unfortunately, she's going to be going through a divorce. And uh, it just so happened that the one waitress there uh, that was waiting on me happened to mention that her sister is a lawyer. And guess what? 
her sister shows up a little bit after she had told me that, and her sister is sitting behind me. When I got done talking to Debbie, the hostess, after all this time, she said, excuse me, I couldn't help uh, but overhear your conversation. She says, I'm an attorney. Uh, I'm her sister, and uh, I practice family law, but she says, I know what you're talking about. She says, I really know what you're talking about. And she and I sat there and talked. Uh, for a long time, she wanted one of my cards, and of course, I gave Debbie one of my cards. But here's the thing, everybody. You know, you and this uh, uh, the attorney that I was talking to. She said, uh, one of these days, I'll get on your call. She says, I'm I'm really kind of busy with things, and she's doing a lot of outside work, outside of family law. That's her specialty. But she does a lot of document reading and proofing for other law firms, and it's all related to litigation with Microsoft. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. She says she goes through just tons of emails and stuff, but she says, you know, that supplements her income. But uh, she's in the family law. It was very, very interesting talking to her and, uh, uh, you know, and then, talking to uh, Debbie and, you know, I was asking her about all the things and I uh, I looked up her case. You know, she told me her name and everything and I, I came back and looked up her case and I found, she, I said, well, you know, you started paying them. She said, I said, then, then did they dismiss the lawsuit? Yeah, yeah, they dismissed it. Well, I looked, they did not dismiss it. It's listed as pending uh, that she's on a payment plan. Oh, and they sued her in January, which is after the CFPB consent order. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, you know what road I'm going to be going down with her. Oh, yeah. You're just going to have fun. I'm just going to have some fun, yeah. <laughs> she lives up north of me up here in Allen. So, um, very, very interesting. I said, now, you know, I'm willing to help you and stuff like this. I said, but are you a fighter? She says, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> and I go, okay, you're my type. <laughs> you know, that's the people I like to help. So, anyway, I mean, here again, I'm sitting there reading a book. Somebody asked me, well, you know, what what book are you reading? And, and one thing leads to another, and away you go. You just never know. And I mean, here's somebody got a good job in management with a, a restaurant chain and stuff, and bingo, she's got issues with this stuff. See, don't don't think that people don't have issues out here. They're everywhere. It's a, the biggest problem we have is letting people know we're here that there are resources, that there's knowledge that people can get and do something about these people. And I'll do everything I can, as you guys know, to help somebody uh, that will take on Midland in any way, go after them. And, and boy, when I found out she Ditto. was in Midland, it just, I mean, it, it just pained me immensely for her to uh, to hear her tell me she's paying Midland. And I'm like, oh, oh God. God. So... Um, that's, Dave, that's going to be an interesting deal. Yes, John. I bet your caseload's bigger than that attorney you met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you're you're probably right. My my guess is my caseload's probably bigger than damn near any attorney out there. <laughs> but mine's Larger a little than some small firms. Segment. Yeah, yeah. 
but uh, yeah, it's uh, she. Of course, she was she was amazed when I was telling her about what I've done. She says, <laughs> "You've got over a hundred lawsuits against the same company." I said, "Yeah." I explained to her how it came to be, and she says, "How can they be so stupid?" And well, it's a million dollar <laughs> yeah, question. Yeah, and she's isn't not it? <laughs> she's not even educated on this stuff, and she wants to know how they can be so stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. It's just amazing. But see, everybody, I, I keep telling everybody, I just talk about this stuff. And, of course, she's the one to provoke the conversation. You know, well, what, what book are you reading? And, of course, this book's about one and three-quarter inches thick. And I'm sitting there at the table. I got my dishes pushed away because I, I finished my dinner and I'm reading away. And she just comes over to uh, ask what I'm doing. And, and she ended up sitting down there and we talked for an hour. She never got up once. We just sat there and talked about all this kind of stuff. It was a very, very interesting evening. She's a very nice lady, very nice lady. But uh, And then to have the uh, uh, waitress's sister come in and sit right behind me, and then as soon as uh, Debbie had to go and do whatever she had to do in closing up there, then the attorney right away, she starts talking to me. I was like, okay. So I had a very interesting evening Saturday night, uh, a lot of uh, interesting talk with some people. But that's what we have to do. we we got to spread the word whenever we can. Well, that's just awesome. So, uh, And I'm looking to get a check this week. Very nice, substantial check. Well, I could be looking, but it isn't going to be there. Yeah, well, mine better be here or the <laughs> settlement agreement has been violated. And that ain't going to sit too well with me. But, uh, no, I think, uh, I think I'll get my thing. I, I sent a reminder email to the attorney. So, uh, anyway, does anybody else have any good news for us? Okay, nobody else has any good news. All right, um, I got this book, and I'm just going to uh, touch on a, a couple of things here. I remember one thing on page 61. There's, there's going to be a, a bunch of things that I'm going to uh, uh, talk about. Uh, out of this book, but it's uh, it's really interesting. I thought it was 61. Maybe maybe I lied. No, it's page 62. Um, no, I was wrong again. See, that's the problem. I've I've done so much reading in this, but there's uh, there's some very uh, simple things that that you can learn out of these books. Um, and, and this is, you know, t teaching about uh, doing research. When you guys go and uh, you you get this case law, you find case law out there, uh, do you know when you see these things uh, where it says like F2D or F3D and then it says F sub? Do you know what those things mean? No, and how many times have I asked you? Well, you know, there's explanations in here for that. It's really, really uh, interesting that, uh, you know, one of those designations is for the district court level and one is for the circuit court level. Well, wouldn't FD stand for federal district? I mean, well, I kind of assumed it did, but I was never sure. 
No, and I'm I'm looking here because I wanted to read it out of here. This is really aggravating because I thought it was page 61, but obviously it's not. Um, and I was going to mark it before the call, but then I got uh, uh, waylaid into uh, doing some other things. But it's it's really interesting how all this stuff is all specifically laid out and, and the way that this author explains it is very, very simple. And I'll be darned, I am going to find this if it kills me here. There's there's such a tremendous amount of information in this thing. Uh, the stuff that I've read so far, there's a lot of stuff about the Supreme Court, um, you know, how much the the uh, Supreme Court justices get paid. I mean, that doesn't have anything to do with our stuff. The annual salary of the first chief justice was $4,000. Wow, underpaid. (laughs) Well, the first chief justice. Now, how long ago was that? Okay. The salary of the current chief justice is $223,500 a year. $223,500. So, uh, I mean, they they make some... uh, pretty good money. They, well, they make pretty good money, but our congressmen go in making that or less and come out as millionaires. Yeah. I oh, I know. The Supreme Court is underpaid in comparison. Right. Chief Justice John Roberts Jr.'s replacement of Chief Justice Rehnquist was the first time that a Chief Justice's former law clerk succeeded him. Interesting. It's uh, it's very very interesting. Um, it's just aggravating me no end that I can't find this. I, I was going to go back and, and look this up, but um, I I will get that information and uh, have that available. But there's there's all sorts of uh, things in here that uh, point you in directions. That you know, we we utilize stuff, but we maybe don't understand some of the finer points of it. This tells all about the process of exactly how bills are done, and what's important and and what is not important. And it's really interesting. And that she goes through the entire process of a bill, and uh, you know, the uh, we're talking about the conference committees and stuff. Uh, Conference is what's really, really important. It's really, really important, and and I'm going to make some notes, and I will uh, I will read that stuff so that you guys can get it. Now, if anybody gets wants to get a copy of this book, again, the uh, uh, name of it is uh, the title is Legal Research and Writing for Paralegals. Now, this is by Deborah Bouchot, B-O-U-C-H. O-U-X. I found that there is another book out there, same name, but by a different author. This is uh, the Aspen College series from Walters Clower uh, Law and Business is the publisher for it. The uh, edition that I've got is uh, the sixth edition, and I believe this is uh, from 2011. They do have a seventh edition out, but... uh, there is uh, a lot of uh, information here. I mean, it's it's extraordinary to uh, uh, read the information that's in here and uh, all the the various 
details and talking about the United States Code annotated and the uh, historical and statutory notes of things, library or research references. And then, and of course, there's all sorts of stuff in here uh, about Westlaw. And it'll be getting into this book. has got all sorts of stuff tells you how to use Westlaw. Now, I've never used Westlaw. I've never been to a, a law library. But come the time that I would go, if I can learn a bunch of stuff out of here, so that when I get to the law library, I understand what I'm doing, that would be a very good thing. So anyway, um, one more time I want to ask if anybody has any good news. And if not, then I'm going to go ahead to the board and see if uh, we've got anybody with questions tonight. What was the name of the book? One more time, the name of the book is Legal Research and Writing for Paralegals. Uh, it's the Aspen College series, and the author is Deborah E. Bouchot, B-O-U-C-H-O-U-X, and uh, the edition I have is the sixth edition. I bought this on Amazon. Uh, you know, the prices vary a little bit. This cost me $11.79 uh, delivered to my door. Very inexpensive, even if you pay 20 bucks for it. Thirty dollars for it. It's a tremendous I'm reading reference. a new book that I got that you've talked about before, "The Winning Brief" by Brian Gardner. Oh yeah, it's pretty good. He Brian Gardner and Scalia both their books are just great. Yeah, yeah, but laying out the arguments, how to frame a proper argument, and how to do it early on in your brief and everything—it's it's excellent. It really yeah, and, and and the books don't cost much at all, do they, John? This one I bought the newest version and it was like forty bucks, but it's worth it. It's a big, you know, uh, hard covered. Well, I was going to say, yeah, it's not some little, little, you know, three quarter inch thick paperback. Eight hundred pages plus. Yeah, well, that's this book that I was telling you about. This paralegal book. This is eight hundred pages. There's a tremendous amount of material in these. And for those of you that are writing, or if you think that you may ever find yourself in the process with an appeal, like the book. John was just talking about, that's the kind of stuff that you really, really, really need. And actually, you can use that uh, whether you're at, at the appeals level or just at your level in your district courts. It helps you lay things out properly. And for those of you that don't know who Brian Garner is, um, he has done a number of books, and, and uh, he did along with uh, Justice Scalia. But Brian Garner is the editor of Black's Law Dictionary. So, you know, he kind of knows he what he's doing. He kind of does know a thing or two. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, very good. And it, it's stuff that, uh, uh, as John is, is seeing, and, and even with Terry, they, they point out things that we would never even think about. Oh, I tell you what, that, that one book was just so valuable to Craig and I in regard to oral argument with the 11th and in regard to uh, circuit court and, uh, and, and how to persuade judges and help the court to see things through your eyes, it was just immeasurable it, it, that it was so valuable. Yeah, and, and like you and Craig both said, it would have been fabulous if you'd have had it uh, 
when you were doing your brief, right, when you were doing the written brief, it would have been even much more helpful with that. But even uh, even the fact you didn't have it available at that point in time, it was still super beneficial in, in the preparation for the well, right, argument. because not everything is about the brief to begin with. And I have to say that Craig did the final writing of the brief. We worked on everything together. But I will say it was a brilliant job. There were a few things that he wished he would have read that book because he would have changed uh, minor, minor things in the way he but would not have maybe, yeah, not no, changes. maybe right. just in the way he would have uh, stated something. But as it turned out, um, obviously the briefing was extremely well done because the briefing did the job. Right. Well, like Craig said, I didn't have to do anything to the brief did it all so yeah right. but the, the whole point for all of you guys out there what we're talking about here was john you know these books are valuable you know um i've i'm obviously up to my eyeballs in litigation and and john has done stuff terry's up to her eyeballs with her stuff and everything we read these books um the nclc books are great but this is uh this is a whole different avenue because this is showing you how to organize and how to write and be persuasive and uh well it's know. what we, it's what we do taken to the next level you right. know um the basics are all about learning the statutes learning the rules um how to apply the language of the law how to identify violations, the strategies and procedures going forward. But now we've been at this, each of us, for five years, roughly. And we're at a whole different level. Now we're looking deeper into getting better at the writing of pleading and at the psychology that goes into it and how to use language to your best um, advantage and that's a whole different level of study so and all of you are going to be exactly where we are we yeah. keep at it yeah now uh, going back to what I was talking about several minutes ago um, these various citations when you're looking at a citation if it's it says in their US that's Supreme Court that I mean you. okay but when you see the F2D or F3D citation, you're talking about a federal appellate court, a circuit court. Really? But when you're when you're viewing an F sup or supplement, like a, or F sup 2D, that's from your district court level, your lowest federal level. So remember, sup oh. is the bottom. The F2D, F3D is your appellate courts, and U.S. is your Supreme Court. So anytime you look at a citation, you can tell what level uh, of court that comes from just by understanding that. Well, thank you so much for sharing that because I've been yeah. wanting that answer for the longest time. <laughs> well, and, and see, that's all the kind of stuff that uh, is – is in this book. It's I, I, you know, I sit and I read three, four, five, six, eight pages of this when I'm sitting down, uh, getting a bite or just getting away from here or something, and uh, it really it, it tells you the the whole hierarchy of the courts. You know where the uh, 
the tax court and all the international, uh, uh, the United States Court of International Trade and uh, the Court of Federal Claims. It, it gives a, a organization chart of what falls under what. Um, it's it's fantastic for you to understand how this stuff is done. So um, how everything fits together. But I'm going to uh, start making some good notes on that, and then I'm going to be presenting some of that stuff starting next week, and I'll have that organized. And uh, I think it's going to be very educational for everybody. All right. Uh, we've had uh, good news. I'm going to go ahead to the board. We've got a couple people that have their uh, hands up here. And, of course, if anybody else has any good news, we're, we're always interested in hearing good news. But to begin with, we're going to go to Joey 35 Sticks. And you have been unmuted. Go ahead. Hey, Joe. This is, or Dave, this is Joe. Um, you know, getting back to those off-the-wall credit reporting agency companies, last, uh, the last, I don't know if it was Terry's call, you mentioned uh, Web Recon. And uh-huh. I I went to their site, and, you know, they have a downloadable form that you mail them. And I, my God, that's what I did. Oh, you did? Because uh-huh. that form, it's like basically tell us everything about you to the point uh-huh. where, you know, this, that, they could, it's almost as if they will create a file on you if they don't have one. Yeah. <laughs> well, know, it's, it's crazy. Oh, I, I know. You just send but... them your name and social and say, send me what you have. You have to go through, you have to jump through their hoops. You shouldn't well, have to do that with a reporting agency. Well, well, but they, you know, they want That's to know the what, what courts have uh, have you had any cases in and stuff. You know, and I filled that whole thing out and mailed it off to them. I had no problem well, okay. with that. And, and, the, and I, understand, I understand what you're saying, but the reason that I did that is I want to see their report. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's no secret that I'm out there. What you're talking about there is the other end of the spectrum. You've got the NCTUE asking for zero information right. to give and you. They're on the other end of the report, scale. And they want your entire personal history. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to, I just didn't know if you had uh, reservations about that or not before I went ahead and did it. But all right then. Yeah, I know. I, I'm I'm glad you brought it up so that everybody knows about that. Any of us that have litigated, um, I I want to find out what they've got on me, and they're required they're to provide me a report. Right? I want to I want to find out uh, what they've got, and it better be accurate. <laughs> yeah. And who knows how many pages it might be. I mean, you know, can you imagine? Uh, and who they're sharing it with. Yeah, well, I've, if, they, if they've got anything on me in the last five years, they've probably got at least 150 different things in there. So I might get a pretty hefty little packet of paper from them, you think? Could be. So anyway, Rep. Web Recon, for all of you that don't know what it is, they're a company that keeps track of all of us that litigate against the debt collection industry. And that's why I'm interested to see how how much they've got on me and whether they're uh, providing accurate information to the people. So, uh, you know, we'll see. You might get a letter that says, uh, if you had a file with us, we've deleted it. There's no further information. (laughs) (laughs) They might do a Larry on you. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, no, I, it's it is going to be interesting to see. It really is. So uh, you know, it's a matter of of time, and uh, we'll find out. If I don't get anything, then I'm going to write him again, and I'm going to tell him, well, you know. Uh, well, I made a request, and you're not complying. Maybe I'm going to sue you because you refuse to provide the uh, report. Or, or what about this? Who would pull a credit report from them? A, 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 a law firm or a debt collector that you have sued, and they pulled during litigation? I mean, this could go off in all kinds of different directions. Well, you know, I'm, and, and here again, you know, it can be uh, anybody that, uh, you know, attorneys or uh, collection companies. I mean, debt if, if somebody is, buyers. Yeah. Debt, well, debt yeah, debt portfolio buyers, right? Because let's face it, you know, if if they've got a chance of running into somebody like Dave Mack, um, do do they want to try and collect from me, or do they want to do some research and find out if what the, what they got that if somebody says I owe money, that it might be, you know, can they verify that it's accurate? Because they if better. they can't, they, they, they better because there isn't anything legitimate that they can do because I don't know anybody. So anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see what's going on out here. All right, does that take care of your uh, comments, Joe? Yeah, yeah, no problem. All righty, thank you. Okay, we're going to go to Calico. Hello, South Texas. Good evening. I got a question. Me I have too. Two questions. I have two questions, really. Uh, my book, that's not a question. The legal research should be here Wednesday. I've been horsing around on Amazon's website, and they also, and I'm curious, because what do you think about taking a paralegal course? Um, I don't feel I need it. Um, it's going to cost you some money. No, it's not. I thought it was, but no, it's not. Well, uh, if you found a free paralegal course, even if it's, you know, even a rudimentary thing, it's not necessarily going to get you certified. That all depends on the individual and and their uh, desire, you know, to learn and what they want to do with it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to dissuade anybody from educating themselves on this stuff at all. Absolutely not. Well, there's so much information, and you know, I had to uh, because I got sidetracked by a relative, so I had to start my studying completely all over again. So I've I've usually tried to get at least three hours, maybe four in a night, depending on how much stuff I'm printing. But I did. I found. Uh, I have a book coming, the, the Paralegal Career. Found some interesting stuff in there. That's not here yet, but horsing around today, I just found a book that's called Introduction to Law for the Paralegal. What do you think about that? Uh, Like I said, any kind of educational resource like that for people to learn from, I think is a a good investment. I mean, I've got a bunch of books here. I've got stuff that uh, I really want to read. I haven't gotten to it yet that I've purchased. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to encourage people to educate themselves as much as they possibly can. I mean, if you're planning on being involved in litigation, uh, you know, doing some things, uh, for you to know all of this, as much about this stuff as you possibly can is absolutely to your benefit. 
You bet. Um, you know, I read everything I can afford to get my hands on. Well, Terry, you're a reader. <laughs> yeah. I'm your reader. Um, I, I have to really get into it and bite the bullet. But there's just, yeah, I, I mean, I listen to you. I listen to Terry. I listen to Jeff. I listen to... I listen to everybody, and it sounds like everybody's in the law library, and I think I'm sitting out on the corner someplace chewing bubblegum. Well, but, you know, I, I've never been in a law library. I I do read. Um, I read a lot of pleadings. I mean, uh, well, in, the past, yeah, in the past week, I would say that as far as uh, uh, court documents go, individual court documents just in the last week, I've probably read thirty-five. Yeah, and I and I have an unfair advantage over most people. <clears throat> a She's a speed reader. Speed right. reading. So, you know, these even the very dry tone legal tones are much easier for me to get through than most people. Yeah, and I'm I'm somewhat slower reader because I'll read through things and then when there's something it's if I'm not quite clear on it I stop and I go back and I read it again sometimes I read things no. two or three times That's but right. why why do I do that it's you so that I, I fully understand right yeah you have to right I mean, uh, well I mean the the Terry, you know People like Terry, they can go through it one time and they got it and for most of it. And not everybody is like that. And I'm surely not one, and I'm probably more like you. You've got to go over it sometimes two, three times to to make sure that you fully understand because some right. of the legal stuff can be kind of convoluted. And it's like, wait a minute, what did that say? And you go back and you read it, and it's like, oh, okay. All right, now I understand it. But... Uh, <laughs> I, I got into to stu- I don't mean to interrupt you, but I got into studying all of Terry's stuff on the uh, the archives, and uh-huh. I there's a lot of stuff in there that she it looks like we need to print it out. Since she's on the line, I'm going to ask her. But also, I pulled up. In fact, I found it on her website after I researched Google that 40 year doc. That's yeah. 100 something pages. Should we should we print that out? Um. I keep a copy of it when I, because, well, my computer crashes on me all the time. And so anything really, really important like that, someone calls me and I'm on the phone and I want to quote from the 40 years doc, which I quote from very often, I find it very handy to have a copy of that on my desk, just like having uh, the uh, O'Connor's where I can reach it, and the, and the Georgia rules where I can reach it. Um, for me, I find it very handy to have a physical copy of that. But at the very least, make sure that you have the PDF on your computer. Yeah, and, and on this stuff, when you guys spend all of this time gathering these documents, please, please, please back up your hard drives because it, it nobody ever plans to have a hard drive crash and you lose everything but it does happen and if you've got so much stuff that you've accumulated so much research information you've got it broken down by subject and and everything else that's an invaluable resource when you're doing your work 
working on your pleadings or even looking for something to help somebody else, for all of that to just disappear in the blink of an eye, uh, I, I can't even begin to tell you what effect it's going to have on you. I mean, uh, you, you know, you've literally spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours acquiring this stuff. Please back up your hard drives, well, even if you me, just do it once a month. You should do it at, the, at least once a week. Let me ask you a question, because I have Carbonite. Carbonite backs up my drive constantly. I'm hoping Carbonite. I'll... Oh, okay, okay. That's a, but, a system that backs it up. Okay. Right, but, and I've had it for years. So for, for $50 a year, they can back up until my eyeballs fall out of my head. But I, I was sitting here the other night, and I was in the forum, and I found something very interesting. Somebody did an entire, I don't know how many pages, it's 20, 32 pages, of all the debt collectors. So I'm like, ain't Lanny. Oh, let me print that out. You know, paper. <laughs> it's like, you know, my eyes are more important than me sitting here staring at a computer screen, David. Well, so let me, I, let me, believe me, I, I know about eyes and computer screens. i got well, three of them in front of me. I, did you hear? See, that was a dig on you, David. Uh, yeah, I know. You very got it. But you see, I don't care, okay? I, a ream of paper is nothing compared. I cannot mm-hmm. go get two nor two new eyeballs. Can't do it. I've so been looking I, for I the here. the eyeball store and I haven't found it. I I'd settle for uh, you know, unmatched, a brown and a blue or something <laughs> like that just if I could get new ones. But I haven't found a place where they sell them yet. Well, I used to have a cat. Well, my sister has the cat now. I had a brown eye and a green eye. Yeah. Well, if I could get some real good eyes, I am, just so you know, and I know you've had concerns, uh, I I don't know if I'm going to get it done this week, but if I don't get it done this week, next week I'm going to an ophthalmologist and get a complete really good overall eye exam, and I'm going to get new glasses. I've had these for six years. I thought you were going to say, I'm going in for LASIK, and then I was going to come through the phone line and choke you. No, no, that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. Never. Way overdue. I need new glasses bad. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm in trifocals in, in you know, six years. So, anyway, I, I am going to do that because I have to. i got to take care of that. Well, let my me, eyes let have me really been going nuts. Let me tell you something. I don't know how many people uh, have gotten into what Amazon has. I've got some wonderful legal terminology. They're all laminated. Have you seen them? Legal writing, uh, legal research. I mean, they're all and it's all laminated. Are, and you open them all up. It's wonderful. Are, just to go are you call, Are you talking about Quick Study? Yes. Yeah, I just ordered some of those. I I got one on evidence, torts, legal research, and how to brief a case. And they're like yeah, five five I bucks a piece. Legal, I think I got legal research. Ah, uh, that's Excel. I have to learn how to use Excel, so I have to get in here and do all this crazy stuff. But anyway, I I hope you're a Prime member. No. Oh, Dave, spend the money to be a Prime member. You get all your books are shipped to you for nothing. With the amount of books and stuff that I order from Amazon, yeah, it pays well, for your membership. Yeah, you I, I've been. <clears throat> I'm. I've been. Uh, well, yeah, the debt collectors will pay for anything I do, but. Uh, 
uh, I've I've been thinking about that because I've been buying a lot of stuff. I mean, I bought new cell phones. Uh, I had I finally had to give up my Nokia, and I bought a cell phone. I liked it so much that I I bought another one as a spare. At eighteen dollars and fifty cents, delivered to my door, and it's got an MP4, an MP3 player, an FM radio in it, and everything else. Uh, you can't beat well, it. being being a Prime member, it has its advantages. It used yeah. to be, it used to be. Seventy dollars a year. Then they raised yeah, it. Now it's like ninety. It's worth 90. every penny. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, have you? Do you have Alexa yet? Do I do you have know a who? Alexa? Do I have dyslexia? No. <laughs> no. Alexa, do you know what Alexa is? No, it seems to me okay, I've heard Alexa. it before. Alexa, if you go on Amazon, I didn't get it from Amazon, but if you go on Amazon and pull it up, it's it's a, well, she's sitting on, on top of my computer desk, okay? She's probably about a foot and a half tall. She's 360. I got her turned down right now, but if I say to her, Alexa, raise the volume, she'll turn, she'll, she'll turn the radio up. Oh, okay. If I'm across the house and I need something added to my, do you hear it? Do you hear the radio went up? Yeah. Okay. When they advertise this on QVC, they give Alexa commands and mine, mine picks up the information from the television. Oh, good grief. Well, you can turn it down now so we don't have to listen to it. <laughs> Alexa, lower the volume. Alexa, shut up. <laughs> Now, yeah, does it, does it, has it got that one down pat yet? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. She doesn't like the okay. cursing. Yeah. All to, right. What what else we got? Because we've got uh, some other people it. with that's their hands up here. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for oh, your okay. information. Yeah. Um, did did you were you sending something out in the FCBA? Where uh, we haven't gotten anything from you yet. That's right. I was going to mention that. I have I have the whole thing here. I just have to figure out what the hell I'm doing. That's why I'm in Terry's website. I'm well, like a, I'm like I don't have a website. No, no Terry doesn't have you, a website. Oh, you have your webinar series. Yeah, but yeah, that's, but not, that's, that's not, not on, on the FCBA. Website. Yeah, that, the FCBA is not in that. That's but why we had those calls. That's why we had the calls and that information. I know, but uh, the other night she said, you have to understand what's going on with your credit report and all of that. And I said, well, you better get your, excuse my French, your ass in gear and go start studying. This, this so, isn't this isn't with yeah, but the, that's, the, that's, that's that, FCRA, not FCBA. Yeah, FCBA is the stuff with the credit cards. Okay, well, I've got, I have, I put it all in a big binder. Well, we're waiting for you to do your get, first dispute notice. Get that notice. first le dispute okay. letter ready. All right. All right, we'll do. Uh, don't beat me up now. No, well, I'm, I'm just asking because uh, well, the other the two other people two that are in the chat are, have already done theirs. Yep, they 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 have already got theirs sent. Okay. All right. Well, I've got. I have the the bill here. It's sitting. Okay. Sitting on the computer, and you don't want to know the mess that this place is in, please. Well, just stop and do that because it won't take you too long. Send it to us for review, and then go forward, okay? All right, my dear. Okay. Thank you, dear. Have a good evening. Thank you. All right, you too. Sure. Bye. All right, let's go to northern Missouri. You have been unmuted. Go ahead. All right. Hi, guys. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we got you. Awesome. How you doing? 
I'm doing great. This is double wine. Um, I had a little bit of good news. Um, I was unable to get on earlier. We had some pretty nasty weather coming out of Kansas City, so uh, just being safe. Um, I sleep during the day, of course, work night, and I had sent in the QWR, which they had sent back a bunch of bogus BS, like they always do, for BOA on a note on one of my duplexes that uh, I had filled out an affidavit saying that there was fraud involved with the countrywide, with the uh, America's Wholesale Lenders with MERS. And on the affidavit, I uh, swore that uh, uh, AWL was never a corporation, which it wasn't. Uh, that's been proven in court. And they they were never a legal person under Taylor regulations, which they're not. I swore that uh, uh, they never loaned me money. And I swore that uh, MERS never had authorization nor the capability to transfer any debt even though that they had put in the county records that they were in possession of the uh, indebtedness and transferred it to a, to a new entity. So in my affidavit, I swore that I said these, these facts were true and that I was, in fact, a victim of fraud. So, Well, you're uh, making those, a conclusion when you put that into a, an affidavit, and you don't want to do that. Well, I said to the best of my knowledge. Okay, well, they, that's... You can't really even do that in a in a affidavit. It's things what you state in an affidavit has got to be from your first hand fact knowledge. Okay. Period. Okay. Just just keep that in mind when doing a an affidavit. So that well, I I, I was using case case law. Well, you don't that use case count. law in an affidavit either. That doesn't work now. Okay. Nope. Well, you can't use case law in an affidavit because you're not making arguments. What you're making is a first-hand fact statement under oath. Okay. The information that you know to be factual from your first-hand experience. If you make any kind of conclusory statements, you're, you're putting any case law or anything in, what, what you're doing is you're going into arguments, and that's not what an affidavit is. Uh, they'll completely disregard an affidavit with that in it. Okay, so uh, what would be my future course of action with this? Uh, I actually got two. I got two phone calls Friday from BOA wanting to talk to talk to me about my affidavit, and the affidavit was something that they need that they required to uh, go further with the investigation on the uh, alleged fraud. So, in your assessment of the situation, what would be well, I you know I don't know the details of what all you've got and right. you know all the specifics and and what they're asking you. I think I think you're going to have to kind of play that by ear and and see you know when you have a conversation with them. In fact, I, I tend to think that I would want to keep everything you know on a written Simple basis. Fun. Yeah, uh, Absolutely. Uh, the words words evaporate. You know, we know how that goes. You don't want to go there. I think you're, right. you're far better off to keep everything on a written basis. Even emails are admissible as uh, evidence. So emails obviously are a lot faster than uh, sure. snail mail. Sure. So you know, if if they want to, you know, talk to you on the phone, just say I prefer all communication to be in writing. We can use uh, email. I think and, that's all, Mike to trust was that uh, any any transactions or conversations need to be in writing 
it's actually in my in my uh, deed of trust. So mm-hmm. that would be that would be enforceable. Yeah. Um. So I was I was just kind of excited that they wanted to talk to me and find out what it is that I know about their their doings. Uh, but like well, I said, I I, th- I, th- I think what you want to do is. Uh, Retract. Well, no. What what I think you probably want to do is think in terms of when you communicate with them, in large part, answer their question with a question. Sure. Absolutely. You know, put the onus right back on them. Well, you're asking me about something. Why? Well, I, I, you know, the reason I'm asking this is is because. Uh, uh, I don't know about this. What about this and this and this and this? Do you mm-hmm. can can you prove? Do you have evidence of? And here again, like I say, answer their questions with your own questions, rather right. than sitting down and giving them you know a bunch of information. Misdirection. A little bit of misdirection. Well, um, it's it's misdirection, but you never know. I mean, like uh, uh, Weehaw in California, he he asked for stuff, and and they dumped a whole bunch of stuff on him, and he was just absolutely floored at what they gave him. Right, right, right. And you never know when you start asking these people questions. I mean, some of these people that work at these places aren't too bright. Right, right. It's like when we were in mediation, uh, the the lost mediator, uh, director of loss mediation, whatever it was, I don't remember his title. He actually, he actually, whenever I said, uh, yeah, I don't know that he said, I don't know that, that you know what we do. I said, absolutely, I know what you do. I said, your job is to service the loan, make sure that everything gets paid, and then whenever it doesn't, then you remarry the note with with a deed of trust. And he goes, exactly. I said, <laughs> oops. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oop. You just admitted they've been bifurcated. Exactly. And so he got this look on his face, and I said, "Oops." He looked at me like, "Oh man, what just happened?" Uh huh. <laughs> but uh, anyway, stuck his foot in his mouth all the way up to his knee. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, I, I was uh, maybe I did screw up on that. I will. Uh, I will kind of. Yeah, let me let me yeah. Let me let me just remind every and this is for everybody's benefit. When you are doing an affidavit, you first of all, you don't use case law because an affidavit is not any type of sure. argument about anything, okay? You don't say because of this and this then that. Because what you're doing is that's a conclusory statement. You're saying because of this and this, then that happened or that's the case or that occurred. What you're doing is you're coming to a conclusion. That's a conclusory statement. That's not a statement of fact. Always keep in mind that when you are doing an affidavit, an affidavit is a substitute for you being able to say, this, this, and this comes from my first-hand knowledge. I know that factually. Not because I read it somewhere. 
I know this factually. I have these documents, whatever it is. Remember, an affidavit is a substitute for your in-person testimony, but it can only be testimony about facts that you have first-hand knowledge of. Not something that you believe is true, not something that you read, not something that you heard, none of that. It has to be something you know factually to be true. I did not sign that piece of paper. You can state that under oath on an affidavit, and it's the same as you standing or, or sitting on the stand in the courtroom and testifying under oath. I did not sign that piece of paper. Well, this looks like your signature. It does appear to be similar to my signature, but I did not sign that piece of paper. So, you, you, you know, you, you don't say, well, I didn't sign that piece of paper because it's the, the wrong color or this or that. No, you don't make any qualifying remarks. It's it, an affidavit absolutely without question has to remain a statement of first-hand fact knowledge from you, and, and it has to end there. It absolutely has to end there because what happens when you venture off into these other things, that's going to knock out the credibility of your whole affidavit. Okay. So even though it's already been determined by the courts, I don't have first-hand knowledge of these allegations that I've made because they weren't me. Wasn't you well? There. What, what, what you can what you can put in an affidavit is the so and so court of appeals has has ruled da 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 da. Gotcha. Now, see, okay. you you have firsthand fact knowledge because you have gone and read that decision from that court, and you're not talking Correct. you're you're talking about what they did, but you are knowledgeable of it because it's on the record, and it's a record that can't be disputed. Okay, so at this point, should I just kind of lay low and act stupid? Um, well, I I think like like I said, what I would do is when I when I had my contact with them, they'll uh, just. What do they want to know? You know, they're saying, well, hey, you know, we, we want to talk to you about this. Okay, well, sure. what do you want to talk to me about? Let them ask a question, and then, mm -hmm. if at all possible, answer their question with a question. Sure. When they say, well, what did, did, you're saying you didn't get money from them. What, what, what do you mean you didn't get money from them? I'll just say, well, are you saying that I did? And if, if so, when? Can you prove How's that? Can you prove that I did? Right. How do you have evidence? Do you, do you have uh, indisputable evidence that I did? Right. See, right. you're answering her question with a question. Right. You're not arguing it. You're just asking another question to them. See what they come up with. Be tactful See what they tell wear you. a smile. Be tactful Pardon? and wear a smile. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool and collect. All right, well, it was, uh, I thought that I had some good news, but uh, instead I, I received some good news. I got some uh, plastic uh, direction rather than misdirection. Yeah, well, well hey, hey, it's, we're all out here in a learning process. You know, oh, yeah. we, sometimes we make mistakes. 
Okay, sometimes we end up with some egg on our face when we make a mistake. Sometimes <laughs> we avoid that. Uh, but, when we, but, but, you know, the, the most important thing is, is when we make a mistake, we we got to be careful that we learn from that mistake and rem- always right. remember mistakes can be corrected right. when it comes to the legal sense. Right. And, uh, you know, you do your best to work around it when you find yourself in a position where that may have happened. I've, done, I've been there. I've been there. Okay. Don't think don't think that every single thing I've done has been absolutely right because it hasn't. <laughs> well, it's good to have like-minded people out here who are, are playing the same game. But uh, yeah. well, sometimes we learn better by making mistakes uh, sure. than than just studying something <laughs> and thinking we know something and and we we think we know it but in reality we don't know it quite as well as we thought we did and then we right. we do something we make a mistake and you know all of a sudden somebody's trying to cut cut three of our fingers off and I was like wait a minute <laughs> what happened here give me my That's fingers right. back okay I I made him I see I made a mistake okay I got to correct it right and, so, and there again I've I, I I've I've stumbled through this the last few years, I started out uh, using the, uh, the stuff we don't like to talk about. The, the administrative process. Uh, yeah. And yeah. got completely shut down on that. You know, you know, you seem to Oh, I've been there. I've, I know all about that stuff. I, I, you yeah. know, I, I have firsthand experience, and that's why I'm where I am, and that's why we're so adamant about, you know, people having to educate themselves. The right. other stuff sounds so good, and it sounds so easy, and it should work. But it does. Yeah, I actually, I just, I'll end with this. I actually got a call from uh, a gentleman that I used to associate with a few years back. He's he's doing some administrative stuff. And he's wanting me to get back into it, and I said, I don't have time for that. And I explained to him why, and he was still adamant about jumping into this. And I said, What you're not understanding is, it doesn't work. You're going down the wrong path. Use the system that's given to you. Don't try and rewrite it. It doesn't work to rewrite it because they won't listen. So yep. maybe he'll listen, but I don't think so. These uh, people that they they they're, they're they're too smart for their own good, and they can't stop the reason. So well, anyway, the the, the the big thing that Jesse does when he gets somebody like that is. How much money have you gotten for all your efforts? How many cases have you won? Right. Can you show Can you show me something that you've done using the administrative process that's right. been challenged in court and you won? Yeah. And they that's can't do that. They, they can't. Yeah, they can't do that because there isn't any. And then they say, well, you know, what about what you guys are doing? Oh, well, I got people I associate with that have uh, literally uh, collected hundreds of thousands of dollars, and the courts yep. back them up on their stuff. Yep. That's pretty hard to argue with. If right. somebody has right. got a little bit of an open mind, anyway. I mean, if somebody's mind is completely closed, forget it. Doesn't matter what you say, you know. Right. And I, I asked, like, you may know one or two people who snuck through the system with this. I said, but what we're doing over here, we have literally thousands of people for a month filing these lawsuits and winning. And it just it doesn't end with with the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act and the CCPA. It just it's a winning system, you yeah. know. Take 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 the winner and run with it, you know. Well, it, it's something that actually works, and yeah. then 
when it's challenged, um, do you have the court beating you up or do you have the court backing you up? Right. Well, in their, in their side of the fence, they've got the court beating them up. And on our side of the fence, we got the court backing us up. Which one would you rather be on? <laughs> right, right. You know, I mean, it's not too hard to figure out. Right. So I'll wait for this. Uh, I'll actually try and call this uh, this lady tomorrow again, yeah. and uh, we'll see where it goes. And I'll listen to what yeah. she has to say, and I'll just ask her uh, when was the confirmation date. How well, was like, like I said, what I'd suggest is, uh, you know, I wanted to call you back and let you know that I really don't want to have any phone conversations because words, you know, words just yeah. uh, evaporate. I would prefer that we have all our communications uh, uh, writ, written, and I'm more than happy to correspond with you by email so that this process can uh, move along fairly quickly. So, um, yeah, I just want to have a record of of everything here. So that's we'll what that's that, what man. I would do. That sounds great, man. I'll jump on that. Okay. All right. All right. Keep us uh, up to date. What's going on? All right, guys. Thanks. All right. Be safe out there in the road, buddy. All right. We're gonna go to Western Maryland. You are unmuted. Go ahead. Hey, hello, Dave. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good. Not too bad. Thanks. Thanks very much for taking my call. Um, I've got two questions. The first one is uh, a writ of garnishment. I had a judgment against me in 2009, and um, the, um, the the debt collector attorney um, filed a case in the name of the um, the creditor, who, who no longer exists, actually. Um, I've since left that job, so the... Uh, um, I've had like a couple of jobs since then, and I've obviously I've heard nothing because I didn't tell them where I was. But they've tracked me down again, and last last week I received another writ of garnishment. So I've got 30, I've got 30 days to respond to it. Um, so my question was, other than um, trying to vacate the the judgment in the circuit court, um, is there anything else that I can do? Uh, for example, the the writ of garnishment that I received, it didn't have the the mini Miranda on there, and I know that that's an FDCPA violation. So I was thinking of filing a federal lawsuit. Would that work? Um, well, you're t- first of all, let's let's address the issue of vacating the judgment. Um, when was the judgment obtained? 2009. Okay, you're not going to be able to do anything with something that happened in 2009. Uh, the court, you know, generally when you go to vacate something, you've got to move very quickly afterwards unless for some reason or other there is a situation where somebody got a bogus judgment, you know, you never were served and years went by, you had no knowledge of it, and then all of a sudden you get garnished. Um, if, if you have something that goes for years and years and years and then you try and vacate it, the, the first thing the court's going to say is, well, this was from 2009. How come you didn't do something in 2009 or 2010? Because I didn't, I didn't have the knowledge then. So I'm, I'm going back to that, and I can see all the flaws and all the insufficiencies. Right, the right. But see, so that, would be- that that is isn't going to be anything that the court is going to buy into. They, I mean, they're they're just not going to go back nine years. Now, let me ask you this: What were the flaws? 
Um, I live in one county, and the 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 um, the case was moved to a different county. So, person, uh, jurisdiction, well, I would imagine. Well, now you say the case was moved to another county. Yeah. You mean I'm it was filed in another county? Yeah. Okay. You lived in County A, but they sued you in County B. B. Okay. Did you sign the agreement in County B? No. So County B, you never resided there, you didn't no. engage in the contract or anything there? The contract was actually signed in another state. Okay. Also, the um, it was it was for a car loan. I, I, I posted this on the... Um, the forum, but I didn't get a response yet, so that, which is okay. But um, the original agreement that I um, that I signed wasn't actually signed by the the um, yeah, the the, um, the car the auto shop the seller the the dealer the dealer <laughs> yeah. Now I'm assuming that this is uh, this is a deficiency then on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can see I can spot a few of them. Also the. Um, the affidavit that the debt collector uh, submitted in the case, um, there's no legible um, signature on there, so I've got no idea who signed that. The the affidavit of what? Service um, or uh, uh, regarding the debt or what? Re- regarding the debt, yeah. I, w- I wanted to challenge that. I think the only way you're going to be able to do something with that is go back and, and uh, go on the collateral attack, uh, do a collateral attack, which is going and suing them and to, va- and to see about vacating judgment that way. Because to go to the court where they got the judgment and just ask that court to vacate it, uh, your chances are one in a million that that court's going to do it. All right, so collateral, I would file it in federal? Uh, uh, no, the collateral attack has to be filed uh, in uh, your state court when you have okay. a state court action like you have right. there. Okay, and then I would just bring up all those points. Yeah, well, yeah, you you do you have to understand what you're doing in a collateral attack. You know, um, you, you're going to need to study it. Jeff uh, at voidjudgments.net, he's got uh, lots of information there on collateral attacks. I actually live in the same state as Jeff, so I'm going, to, I'm going to reach out to him. Okay. Let's see. Let's talk about yeah, it. he's got, but uh, go go to his website, voidjudgments.net, and uh, uh, do some searching in there for collateral attack. Okay. And he's got uh, material in there on that, because you got to understand what you're doing, because basically you're going to go back and you're going to sue who it was that sued you and say, wait a minute, um, you got a bogus judgment against me, and... Uh, uh, I want my money back, and I want that judgment vacated. Right. Okay. Um, is it too late? Like I said, I've got like 30 days to respond to the garnishment. Um, is it too late to go through the protecting your money process? Yeah, you're 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 down to the point where uh, you don't have enough time to uh, really get a friendly lien in place because that takes at least several weeks. Uh, to get that in place. See, that's the thing uh, for everybody, and and here's an opportunity for me to speak to everybody out there, not just for you. I mean, you bring up the subject, and of course our our whole purpose here is education. 
for anybody out there that may have kind of a situation similar to what this gentleman has where, you know, you, you've got something out there and maybe you escaped it, like he changed jobs and, and uh, now they've found him again. If you've got this type of situation hanging out there, it behooves you to go and study the, uh, the uh, protecting your money section and getting this friendly lien and stuff in place uh, just in case, instead of waiting until, oh my God, they found me again, and then you know they're they're trying to pick your pocket, uh, because it does take a little bit of time to do that. So, if anybody is in that kind of situation, your procrastination can be costly in in not moving forward, studying that. And if you have questions, you know, come on, uh, John is very very sharp on that. He's uh, excellent. He's he's done webinars on that, and. Uh, that's going to be very beneficial. But for you, uh, you know, I don't know, are, are you head of household? Is there a, a household exemption? No, not in, not in, uh, not in Maryland, no. Okay. They, um, it's the first 75% that exempt, is it exempt or something. After that, they can take like 25% of your disposable um, income. Yeah. John, have you got any other suggestions for him at this point? John must be multitasking. As far as, as far as I can see, the only thing that's, that's going to give him any kind of relief is for him to become a contract employee. Well, you know, that would depend on your employer, oh, whether, you, whether you could do that. Really? That's true. Well, did you hear, did you understand what Jeff was talking about there? Well, I said become a contract employee, so convert right. from a permanent to a contract. Well, I mean, you know, uh, some companies have contract, uh, people work for them on contracts, some are employees. If you get into a, a contract situation, that's different. But how would that then, how would that work in my... You form an LLC and you contract with your oh. employer through the LLC, so okay. the money goes to the LLC and not to you. Right, right. Okay. and then they can't touch it. Okay, yeah, I'll look into that then. Um, okay, now John, John, I think came on. John, did you have any? What were they trying to garnish? My wages. They garnished your employer. Yeah. Well, he got notice that uh, of garnishment, and he's got thirty days to argue it. And, and of course, you know they're going to want to start taking money right away. Oh. Uh, he received notice from his employer because usually they usually go right to the employer and don't tell you until it's all done. Well, no, I I got the notice from um, from the court, and I guess they send it to they send it to the um, to the employer. Now, actually, that's that's another question. What I received in the mail is that a copy, or would would do they also send a you know a, a copy to my employer? You get a copy. Um, you know, if the case is closed and they have a judgment, they have to reopen it for judgment collection generally, depending on what your court rules are. And then you should start receiving copies of stuff as long as the court has your correct address. Some courts, if you if they get a piece of mail returned twice, will stop mailing things out to you because they don't have a correct address. Um, once they put the garnishment in process like that, since your state doesn't offer an exemption for head of household, uh, there's not a lot you can do. 
Um, Jeff would know better about what's going on in Maryland. Um, how big's the judgment? Um, Fifteen thousand. Ouch. Um, I, you know, even yeah. though even though people tell you that the you know it's you can't vacate a void judgment when it's that old, you know things aren't over until you say they over until you say they're over. But you need to study up if you're going to take yeah. it on, but you could do a collateral attack and go after yeah. the judgment that way. Hey, we don't John, know all the details. Mm-hmm. Maryland just changed their boy judgment law, so he needs to take a look at that. Yeah, and, and you know, you can you can attempt to do that. It's just going to cause the other side heartburn, and maybe they'd be willing to settle with you for less. I mean, bas- basically, you know, it, it, if you were going to middle school and there were some bullies and they were going to steal half your lunch money every day or beat you up uh, and you didn't tell your parents and you didn't do anything about it, they'd just go, they'd just go ahead and do that. But um, if they had a, you know, if they had a legitimate, we're not even saying legitimate debt, but if, if you legitimately owed them something, these bullies in school, and you got your cousin, you know, Guido, to meet you there, and next time they tried to beat you up, Guido beat them up, they might be willing to settle for something less or maybe nothing or leave you alone. So by taking them on this route of taking them to the uh, the appeals court and doing a collateral attack, it's going to cost them time and money. And I mean, this stuff's quite complicated, but some of us enjoy it. And you need to look at things like who actually got the judgment against you and what law firm was it that, that perfected that judgment? What law firm has applied for the writ of garnishment? Are they the same one? Since this judgment goes back to 2009, I would question whether that judgment has been sold as a debt. If you can find out who the alleged creditor is, one of the first things you can do is send them a debt validation letter. If they don't reply back with a copy of sending you the judgment, that's an FDCPA violation. What did they send you? Oh, yep. No, I mean I send them a debt val, but they, um, like I said, they're not in, they're not, um, they don't exist anymore. So I sent it to the last known address. Right, but in court right now, mm-hmm. the company that got the writ of garnishment against you, who is that? The debt collector. What debt collector? Sorry, the attorney claiming to represent the creditor. But the creditor doesn't exist anymore, you just said. Right, exactly. What's well, the name? Have, have you sent, yeah, what's the name well, of the? Daimler, it's Daimler Chrysler Financial America LLC. Oh, so it's on a, this is on a car? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a deficiency on a car. Oh, okay. Well, you know, the lawyer is a debt collector. Did you send a debt validation letter to the lawyer? Yeah, he didn't respond. That's a violation. That's a violation. You can sue him. The lawyer and the the law firm, you can sue him. Right. That's that's what I wanted to know, if I can just sue him. You can sue the lawyer and the law firm. No, it doesn't stop the... the, the writ of garnishment, but it does, um, it does 
cause them a lot of heartache because they're going to either have to hire a law firm or they're going to have to represent themselves. If Jeff, is there a state statute like FDCPA in Maryland? Yeah. Maryland. Okay. Well, you can sue you can sue them for the state statute too, which is going to you know cost them even more money. So if it was a thousand for the state statute, suddenly with the lawyer and the law firm, you're looking at four thousand dollars that they're going to owe you. Okay, so that that can be a good thing. Then you do the collateral attack at the same time in the state court. They're going to have they're going to be fighting you on two fronts. They got a writ of garnishment, which is like a you know no brainer. They just file a piece of paperwork, boom, they get it. But at the same time, you can go ahead and suddenly fight them on two fronts in the state appeals court and in the federal court. In the state appeals court, when you do that, you could move for some type of um, injunction or stay so they can't collect on you while you're doing the state uh, action in the appeals court. So you're going to put the brakes on them. Suddenly they're fighting two battles against you and they don't have any money coming in. Now, can you start to see where they might want to settle for less yeah. to go away? I'm not saying that you want to pay them anything, but you know, at some point, unless you really want to get, you know, get into heavy lit, some people don't want to do a lot of litigation. Other people do. Other people really enjoy the confrontation and the fight, the cerebral part of it. But depending on what you want to do, you could get them in a situation where they might want to settle for less or settle for nothing and release you from that if you release them from their heartache. That's That's a possibility. So you need you need to look at that. Um, and since Daimler Chrysler doesn't exist anymore, um, you know, when you do that collateral, you well, in the FDCPA, they would be attempting to collect for a non-existent entity. OK, if if they can't show that Daimler Chrysler sold that judgment then uh, it would cease to exist because unless it was assigned someplace else, no one else can collect on it. Someone would have to purchase it. Now, we all know on this call that it's probably the law firm that purchased it. It might be. It might be that the law firm is just trying to still collect on it, knowing that there's no one else they have to pay. But if they're doing that, they're perpetrating a fraud upon the court. Okay. You don't want to you don't want to sue them for fraud or alleged fraud, but you could you could allege that they were you know attempting to employ the court in the perpetration of a fraud, and then unjust enrichment and you know similar similar causes like that you could go after them. There's, there's one other there's one other aspect too, John. I'd like to introduce, uh, sir. You need to go into the file into the courthouse itself and pull the file. And you need to look for a, a, a motion put before the court to uh, substitute plaintiffs. I need to look. So that, for that that's answer. how they get around the the uh, so-called assignment, yeah. rather than to actually assign it. Especially if the debt is a company that no longer exists, they'll go in and they'll they'll substitute themselves as the plaintiff. And if Daimler Chrysler didn't exist at the time, now you've got a situation where they have perpetrated a fraud upon the court. 
But if, right. they, sub- if they substituted themselves, wouldn't that be on the on the um, on the paper? On the there's uh, a form that they fill out and put into the court. It's a motion. Oh, okay, yeah, I got you. And they might just, you know, they might say, oh, it was a computer error. We didn't change the top of the, you know, we didn't change the case heading of the pleading, but it's already on the docket. You know, the court already saw that there was an assignment and, um, you know, there was, no, but there was no assignment. That's, what, a, that's how they get around a substitution, it. A substitution of the party, but they don't change the case heading in well, I had a I had a situation where I had an American Express judgment, and it sold to a company called um, Zwicker. And then, as soon as I got a notice from Zwicker, I debt validation debt validated them and sued them in federal court, and they quickly settled with me. And then, uh, about a year later, a company cropped up trying to collect. And it was another lawyer, but with a company behind it that was called American Express uh, or American something, something, something. And it looked similar and they changed it in part of the heading, but then they didn't in other places. So they tried to make it still appear like it was American Express, but it wasn't. And um, I got them on that. So you want to go and look at your file. You really yeah. need to go and see exactly what all is in there. Right. You can do that at the courthouse for free. They usually have computers you can look on there and look at images of all the filings and just plan on spending an hour or two and going through everything. Okay, so there's nothing I can... What, what county in Maryland are you in, sir? I'm in Charles. Okay. And it's filed. they filed it in PG. Was the case adjudicated in PG? In PG, yeah. You can actually get the file. Okay. And that's far more important than just getting a computer printout. Okay. All right. And then I had um, one more question. Um, I have a a TCPA small claim for three phone calls that was moved to federal. so I just wanted to know, I'm filing an amended complaint, and I wanted to know, should, is this a good time to add add more calls, or should I just leave it with the three calls and the FDCPA? Why would you not add your additional calls? Okay, no, that's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm thinking, uh, in terms of the wording, do I need to, because um, the wording would be different, because I, I itemized and um, you know, describe the three calls. Well, an amended complaint is just that. It's an amended complaint. Mm-hmm. You can uh, amend to satisfy the pleading standards. You can amend to uh, uh, bring additional causes of action or add parties. You just okay. uh, change your language to reflect what it is that you're adding to it. All right, perfect. All right. And if you do that, oh, is this this federal court? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, which court do you know? Um, the one there in um, um, Greenwich. Greenbelt? Greenbelt. Greenbelt. Okay, Greenbelt requires that you include a red line. A red line? Yes. A red line copy. What? Do you know any, any ladies or secretaries that use Word? 
Yes, I use. Right, Joe, you need a red line of your pleading. What is, what is that? What does that red line go? Well, well, basically, no, it's, it's, it, it's a process. You might want to Google it and learn about it. Red line? Okay. Yeah. Basically, it compares your original pleading against your amended pleading and shows the differences. Oh, okay, right. yeah. Right. Right. Okay, I, I know what you mean now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It crosses out all these words. It doesn't cross out anything. It doesn't? No. No. Just red lines. It marks it through. Well, if that's what he means. Isn't that the same? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Crossing out marks through. Same, same. Just a matter okay. of words. Yeah. Okay. All right, gents. Thanks very much, and ladies. All righty. Thank you. All right, everybody. That's going to wrap it for tonight. We're at the magic hour of uh, 10 o'clock Central Time. And, you know, this has been a really, really long day. But that's because it's the summer solstice, and it is actually the longest daylight day of the year. Now, now we get to see the days get shorter and shorter. So quick, everybody, go out and enjoy all of the sunny days that you can because the days are going to start getting shorter from here. Tomorrow is one second shorter on daylight than today. <laughs> I learned that on the weather tonight. It was uh, really quite interesting. So anyway, uh, thanks to everybody for joining us. Thank you, Terry, John, Jeff, uh, for your uh uh, input and contributions to the call tonight. I really appreciate you guys being here. Thanks to everybody that joined us. And, of course, tomorrow night we have another open call on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, that starts at 8 o'clock. And then on Wednesday, of course, is Terry's call. And if we've got any new people on here that don't know about Terry's call, if for some odd reason you're not on her email list to get the reminders, and the information for that call, just send an email to queensongbird at gmail.com, and you can write right in the subject line, please put me on the list, and she'll get you in. But do it right away. Don't wait, because if you do, you may not get the reminder in time for her call. And her call starts at 8 o'clock on Wednesday night, Same, uh, and that's Eastern time. Same as the call tomorrow night. So, uh, again, thanks to everybody. Uh, we had some interesting discussion tonight. Next week, I'm going to start spending a little bit of time on some education on things, and I'm going to be providing some information that's in this book that I've referenced, and I think uh, people will find it beneficial. I'm not just going to throw out a bunch of you know, n- non-important facts. I'm going to try and, and present things that... Those of us that are litigating, those of you that are using the courts and learning how to do this and writing documents and stuff and doing research, that this will be helpful to you. It, it's, this isn't just throwing information out about statistics of the Supreme Court or something like this. I want it to be actual information that you can utilize. So, uh, again, thanks. I hope everybody has a great evening. I'm going to get a few things done, and then I'm going to go visit the pillow. And you will hear my voice on Blog Talk Radio tomorrow, starting right about 8 o'clock Eastern. Good night, everybody. Have a great evening. Good night. Good night. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.